Jalen Brown wins Player of the Week, and we'll take an in-depth look at how his future fits with Jason Tatum. Plus, can the Celtics' defense get back on track? It's a Tuesday Locked On Celtics podcast. Millies, let's go! Rainy Jays back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings when you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. All right, it's a Tuesday. Boston Celtics getting ready to take on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it's New Year's Eve, and uh, they're in Charlotte for New Year's Eve. 3 p.m. game, which is a just a weird start time. Talk about that coming up and all this other stuff. Tom Westerholm, my partner on MassLive.com, MassLive.com slash Celtics. For all of your complete Boston Celtics coverage, you really don't need to go anywhere else on the Internet. Uh, for for anything Celtics, Tom, how you doing? I'm good, man. It's I, it's always funny with these 3 p.m., 4 p.m. starts, and you see people on like Twitter and everything complaining about them, and it really illustrates the difference between being a uh, like a like a writer or somebody like employed by the team or just kind of being around the team professionally, and just like how everybody else sees it, because everybody else is like, oh, a 3 p.m. start. Like, what if I'm not home from work in time? And you and I are just like, oh my gosh, this is the best this thing is the that has ever happened to me. <laughs> I'm going to be done with my job by 9 p.m. Like, what is happening? Yeah, it's so, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of wild. The the, the <laughs> difference, and, you know, people joke about this like the beat writer life. Like, we, we like to complain about travel on Twitter and tweet at like airlines or yeah. you know whatever, and then and then this stuff. Uh, but look, 3 p.m. start, it sucks for people who are working, but I will say that the international folks who are constantly getting up at three and four in the morning, like this is actually like a a normal start time for them. (laughs) So shout out to the international fans who finally for once get to like watch a basketball game, like a normal human being. Um, unfortunately the two games that did that are starting for them at these times are Cleveland and Charlotte. So apologies to you. You didn't get a good game that started at three or four o'clock, but you know, well, they got the noon one on, they got noon on Christmas against you did. the Raptors, you did. You did. which was without, which like on the one hand, it was without Siakam and Gasol. But then on the other hand, the Celtics lost to the Raptors without Siakam and Gasol like two days ago. So sure. Yeah. So, uh, so let's let's start with uh, Jalen Brown. Let's celebrate Jalen Brown and his Player of the Week award, first of his career. Uh, not that Player of the Week is a huge deal, because every time you you know you say, "Hey, wow, Player of the Week," you just remember that Jordan Crawford had a <laughs> Player of the Week. Uh, but at the same time, I would argue that that means it is a big deal, and I am <laughs> upset at the insinuation. <laughs> uh, okay. Point taken, point taken. <laughs> so uh, Jalen comes off a week where he averaged 27 points on 62% shooting, uh, 58% from three, and just a monster week. He set his career high. He had 
two 30-point games for the first time in his career in a week. Uh, just It's hard to imagine Jalen Brown having a better week than he's had this week. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's, you know, it's been, it's been emblematic of all of the things that he has improved so much on and we've, that we've talked about a million times. I mean, he's, you know, he's bringing it pretty consistently. Obviously he had a bad game against Toronto, but you know, I, I, it was one of the things that, you know, when I asked Daniel Tice, what has felt different this year about Jason and Jalen, and he just said consistency like this, you know, every once in a while you would see, you know, Jalen or, or, or Tatum like go off. And you'd be like, oh, wow, like this is like a real glimpse into what they could be down the road. But like now, you know, now they're like both averaging 20 points a game like that. This is kind of who they are now. And I mean, I think that's been what's what's been most interesting about this is just like, yeah, like Jalen had like a great week. He's, you know, Eastern Conference player of the week, all that. But, you know, this is just kind of who he is now. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it maybe not maybe not, not quite this to this level, but, you know, to the to the 20 point consistent. Thing. Sure, absolutely. And, and I think it, it speaks to. Uh, a lot of the Celtics construction. I mean, I, I brought this up on, on yesterday's podcast, but working him and Jason Tatum working together and the importance of Tatum being able to create his own shot and Jalen being able to, to play off of him and, and kind of handle some of the, when Tatum gets blitzed, you can get it to Jalen. But meanwhile, because Jalen can do that, that means you blitz Tatum even less so that means he goes and, and can do more on his own. So it's like a circle. Like when one guy gets too hot, you're like, well, well we can't help off of him. So then Jalen will have like that 17 point game. But then yeah. all of a sudden you're not doubling Jason Tatum anymore. Like, oh, now it's Jason Tatum's turn because he's got single coverage so often. So it, it's, it's a nice dynamic, but it, it raises the question now of like you, you mentioned consistency. But what's the level? What's this year's level? Is it 20, this just 20 points per game type of, you know, where Jalen gets 30 one game and 15 the next, and we're just somewhere going to, the average is going to be somewhere in the middle. Is that, do you think that's kind of what we can expect from, from them this year? It's tough to say. I, I think that you can pretty safely, you know, expect like 20 a game or whatever from Tatum just because he seems to, you know, he, I, he takes more shots for one thing. I mean, Jalen talks the other day about how, you know, he's, he tries to be really efficient with his shots. And I think one thing we're going to see is I, I very much believe in Jalen Brown's shot. I don't think that he is the, uh, 44, 45% three point shooter that he's been in the month of December. Um, I think that's going to probably level out a little bit. Um, so, you know, we'll probably see a little bit of a drop off in his efficiency there. Um, although, you know, the way he's been improving month to month, who knows? But, um, so, you know, I, Yes, uh, to answer your question, probably. I think he'll probably vacillate somewhere between, you know, 15 and 25, and it'll depend on, you know, maybe his 15-point night. You know, you might see maybe that's the night that Kemba gets, you know, 34 or whatever. Like, you know, it's just, it, it, like you said, it's kind of how this team is constructed. They're they're constructed to hurt you in a lot of different ways, and within those ways they make, you know, each one of their tools makes their other tools sharper. You know, they each every time Gordon Hayward, um, you know, gets, gets into that mid range and gets that little turnaround that he's so good at. You know, that puts pressure on the defense that then opens things up the next time Jalen's in the corner and it's a, you know, corner three. It, that's just kind of how this team works, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that's going to be the, the, the way things go myself. Um, but now my, my, my question off of that in, in something I've been struggling to, to try to figure out, and it comes to the human nature part of this. Like, I can sit here and make the argument like I just laid out to you. 
saying, well, Jalen gets this and this coverage and Tatum gets this coverage and, you know, Kemba, whatever. Like, defenses will react to whomever is hot and the offense will go accordingly. Yeah. Now, the human nature element will come into play either at some point this year, or maybe it waits till next year, but are these guys going to be happy doing it like this? Is this going to be something that everybody's cool with? Or at some point does somebody say on a night where he doesn't have it, screw it, I'm going for mine, even though I'm not feeling it, because I need to go for mine tonight. Or do these guys have this kind of patience all year long like they've had where one of them says, ah, you know what? It's not falling for me. They're defending me a certain way. I'm just going to pass. And even if I'm just getting hockey assists tonight, so be it. My time will come in the next game or two and everything will even out. Like, I, I don't know where that next – is there is there a shooter drop somewhere? Sure. You know, so it's a good question. I think that's not as likely. So here's why I don't think that's going to happen this year. One, I think Kemba, Jalen, and Jason are all going to make the all-star team. Um, I, I There's enough momentum behind the three of them. There's, you know, the competition isn't – you know, like, there's a lot of good players in the East – but the competition for like to, to get those three spots, especially if they manage to hover in this like you know two to three range in the you know in, in the standings um, in the East, I think all three of them are going to make the All Star team. Kemba, I, I don't think you need to. I don't think the Celtics need to worry about Kemba at all. Like I think no, he's I just happy. He's just happy getting his buckets when needed. He's happy facilitating when the teams are you know going to blitz him or whatever. Like it's fine. He's he's good. The other two, neither of them has made an All Star team yet. So as long as they make the All Star team and as long as they sort of you know, get this, this accolade that they've been, you know, that they haven't had yet. I feel like they will, they both will be pretty happy. Like, okay, like now I've, I've reached this rung in my, you know, in, in my career and, you know, let's see where this season takes us type of thing. Like, you know, let's see if, if we, you know, can get through the Eastern Conference finals. Let's see if we can get to the Eastern Conference finals. Like, let's see what happens now. Um, now I think next season it's, it is a worthwhile question because, okay, so now they both, both made an all-star team. Now the pressure's on them to make a second one. Now the pressure's on Tatum to, you know, maybe compete for, you know, like all NBA third team or whatever it is. Like whatever these guys' goals are, I think that for both of them, kind of the next one is, you know, obviously their goal is winning. And I think both of them would say that. And I both think both of them would mean it. But I think their next individual goal, goal is all-star team. And that makes a lot of sense. And they're both on track to make it. So I think they'll be pretty happy this year. Going forward, I think that's where your question is more interesting and and uh it's you know it's, it's something the Celtics may have to grapple with in the future but for right now I do think that this this season will be pretty peaceful that way um just because I think that they are on track to accomplish what I assume they're trying to accomplish right now uh let's continue this we're gonna take a break and continue this conversation because there, there are a lot more elements to this um and I didn't anticipate this conversation going this way I want to continue it next <laughs> on the Lockdown Celtics podcast You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
this is what I love about podcasting. You just start talking sometimes and a thought pops into your head and and you know this this whole thing about now Jalen got his player of the week and and I agree with you that there's going to be probably three all-stars for the Celtics. Um and and I don't think anything comes of this until next year. But it was very interesting to, to the line of questioning for Jason Tatum at at practice on Monday which was about his commercials and he's like joking around like yeah, I want to be in a movie and which is funny but also at the same time like I'm I'm sure when you're 22 years old and like you're an awesome basketball player and a little bit of this endorsement money starts rolling in, you're like, yeah, I like this. Put me in a commercial. <laughs> like, I get, like, fans will listen, will watch TV and see this dude in a commercial and be like, oh, man, you should be focusing on basketball, man. What are you doing commercials? Why do you want to be in a movie, man? That's how those fans talk. Uh, <laughs> but That's how they tweet, too. Yes, that's how it sounds like when they tweet. But I tell you what. If I was 22 years old and as good as Jalen or Jason and people are like, hey, you want to do a commercial for this bank? I'd be like, shit, yeah, I want to do a commercial for your bank. Of course I want to do a commercial. You want to put me in a movie? Hell yeah, I want to be in a movie. That's awesome. I got a summer. I got I got time. Like, I'll do a movie. The, these guys, they have an off day where you go in, you, you lift your weights, you do whatever, and then you got like eight hours afterwards to just – yeah, well, let's go. Let's take two, three hours and shoot a commercial or part of a commercial. Like that's that's all cool. But the more that that happens, the more like you want to be in more commercials or like you start to feel like, yeah, man, I'm the man. And is there jealousy? But Jalen doesn't have any commercials yet. I haven't seen a, a Rakuten commercial with Jalen Brown. Where are Jalen Brown's commercials? Is that coming? Like, is there jealousy that's going to start happening? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Um. You know, which, by the way, so, I, I'm not trying to say that Jalen is should be jealous. I'm not trying to. I'm not saying that that's something I see or th- like. I'm just saying natural reaction. There's there's definitely a natural reaction of like, hey, where, where's where's my where's my thing? No, there definitely is. Um, it's a, no, it's an interesting question. Um, and, and it is, you know, it does. It kind of comes to opportunity, right? Like, which is, which, it kind of comes back to the question of opportunity, which is always interesting. Like, the Celtics last year clearly put more of a priority on, on Tatum. You know, Tatum was the, like, Jalen came off the bench a lot. Um, you know, Jalen was referred to by coaches constantly as like an energy guy, which, you know, it like is a good thing to be, but is also carries with it sort of like this, uh, you know, almost this stigma of like, okay, you're an energy guy because, you know, you might not be a skill guy type thing. Right. Um, and, you know, that, that clearly now we're seeing this year that, you know, given more opportunity and given another summer where he clearly worked his tail off, um, you know, Jalen could be, you know, at, at least, you know, what, what do you want, what do you want to say? Like, I mean, his ceiling is 95% of Tatum's ceiling, if, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, they're, they're both, and maybe that 5% is really important, but they're both very, very, very high ceiling players. And, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between them is negligible at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's worth wondering about. It's, it, it's worth examining. Um, I do think that there is something to the idea, like, almost all the time, I think that fans think that me, the media has more, um, power than it does. I do think there is some danger of, like, speaking something like that into existence where, you know, like, if, like, say, like, you know, you wrote a story, like, is Jalen Brown gonna, like, get jealous of Jason Tatum? Right. I mean, that might, then, then maybe that's something that somebody goes and asks Jalen about. And then that story gets made into a story. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like, and that cycle sort of happens. Um, and so, and, and, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm not even saying that's something that should necessarily be avoided. It's just another element to this that, uh, hold on. I, that, that gotta, I, think, I, I just gotta highlight all and delete this thing that I was working on. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> John Corrales breaks up the, uh, <laughs> all the good vibes are gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, I just think that there's, uh, I mean, that, that's something else to it. Um, we don't really have any indicator so far. Cause the other thing that Jalen hasn't had a lot of endorsements, but what he has had are like the thing that seems to matter to him is like, he gets to make an appearance at MIT. Yes. He gets to speak at Harvard. He gets to do all this stuff. And, um, you know, it might not, it might not pay the same way that, uh, that a Jordan brand, uh, endorsement would or, you know, whatever Tatum ends up with down the line. But, um, it does seem to be something that really matters to him. So, you know, I think that's probably important as well. That, that, that was going to be my point, my counterpoint to my own point. When, <laughs> and, and really, Tatum said it today. Jalen Brown has said it in the past, talking about building a brand. And that's something that I know maybe some of you older listeners, people my age might sit there and be like, build a brand. What? Like, focus on basketball. But nowadays, when you're 22, you're in your early 20s. And you've got the potential to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Building a brand is just, it's just a thing. So that, that's just something that these guys consider. Tatum is building a brand. Like this is all part of his own brand building. Jalen Brown is marketing himself as this type of guy. He is a smart guy. He's a thinking kind of guy. He is like, there's a reason why he's doing all of these things. Like you said, the other thing. By the way, to throw some more water not in and show, I'm not saying that there should be or there is jealousy. Jason Tatum has had an agent all this time, and part of an agent's job is to go search out these opportunities, whereas Jalen Brown has not had an agent, and he didn't have an outside person searching for endorsement opportunities. So That's a very good point. It's not yep. – it, it. I don't know if Jalen – would have been approached or not have been approached, but he didn't have a representative out there to, to search for these things. So who knows what opportunities and not only only search for them. Like he didn't have a representative out there who has like had clients in the past work with certain people that he can then direct his new clients toward as well. Right. Like, so it just all comes with that package. Yes. So part of Jalen's kind of, brand and his his whole thing has been to operate without an agent to operate on his own which means now you want to paint that as missed opportunities whatever uh but he's doing his own thing like i i don't know if he wants some of these same endorsements i don't know if he wants a rakuten ad i think maybe he wants his his own he's trying to build his own fashion brand like the way he makes his money is to build his own thing you know, maybe someday he pulls what Spencer did, what he did, and makes his own shoe and and does something like he's he's just on a different level. And it goes back to the stuff that's on the floor. Jalen and Jason together 
are similar in so many ways, but so different in a lot of ways that they're just, they complement each other. So while the human nature of the jealousy and, the, and this and that and where's my thing could come into play with some people, I, I don't think that Jalen has, has crafted himself, his career, his mindset towards that type of thing. I feel like off the court, he's just doing his own thing. And if, if Tatum gets whatever deal, congratulations. Hey, dinner's on you next time. Cause you got a Rakuten deal. So you can afford it. How about that? Um, so I, I think it's going to be cool. I, one thing that really has stood out to me about this year's Celtics is the, the way everything has come together kind of nicely that Hayward and Kemba are, are the right, the two right vets in the right situation to be around these two guys that they're, they're willing to do what these two guys need. And these two guys are in the right situation with each other that they play off of each other so well, um, that they're, they're not so similar that they're stepping on each other. Um, but they're similar enough where you can see how they work well together. So I, I, I think this year, this is all, this is all good. I, I, I wouldn't expect anything, uh, anything to kind of disrupt things this year. Yeah. And, I, and to your point, I think that in, you know, setting, setting Kyrie completely aside, I think Kemba is a better vet for these guys, even than Horford is like both, both Kemba and Horford are willing to defer are like great guys, great locker room guys, all that. But Kemba is more of like a charismatic personality too, I think. Sure. And it, I, I think it's good to have that kind of person, like somebody who is, who is a charismatic guy, who is a leader, but who is also, he's like a leader who understands the, like how important it is. He relates to, to, to them better. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think he understands like how important it is to defer to them at times and how important it is to, to take over them when he needs to take over and all that. Not that Horford didn't, just like something about Kemba's personality just feels better in terms of veteran leadership for, for, you know, these two future veteran leaders, um, you know, at, at this point in their career. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Kemba, Kemba knows, and it goes back to kind of what I was saying about the, him being in the right situation coming off of all those years in Charlotte where he's just like, thank God I don't have to do this all the time, but I can, I can when I need to. And I, I think what he has started to settle into and I've said this before on another podcast. I think Kemba, instead of being fourth quarter Kemba, is might be starting to shift towards, hey, maybe I need to be like first quarter Kemba or first half Kemba. And then I'll try to slide in in the fourth quarter when I need to. But like, it might be better for the Celtics if Kemba is, I'm going to come out hot. I'm going to come out going for mine. And... Once everybody starts to pay attention to me, then these other guys can really start going off and they're going to be the ones that close this out. I'm going to let these guys be the guys that, that really carry us through the second, third and fourth quarters. And I'll swoop in if I need to, but I'll do enough where I can get like 20 in the first half and 10 in the second. And then, you know, have my, have my big scoring night. So that, that, that's kind of how I've seen things shift a little bit, which just, goes into the whole thing that you were saying like he fits he knows what they got what these guys need he's kind of willing to step back but do just enough to kind of make it all work yep no disagreements here um so, yeah I'll, let's take a break because the celtics will talk we talked a little bit about x's and o's and their defensive slippage we'll talk about that when we come back on the lockdown celtics podcast 
Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Boston Celtics are the fourth best defense in the NBA uh, as far as net rating, according to NBA.com stats. However, they, over the past three games, starting on Christmas Day, were the 21st ranked defense in the NBA. Uh, obviously a small sample size, but it goes to show how much they have slipped over the past few, uh, past few games. Really burned them against the Toronto Raptors in the, uh, in the second game. And now they're trying to fix it. And today, Monday at practice, Celtics talk about fixing that slippage, kind of getting back on the same page. And, and the one thing I, I, I asked Brad about the margin for error and he didn't, didn't, really kind of play along but my point is the way these guys play defense the way the Celtics play is guard heavy guard the emphasis on the guards there's very little margin for error for the Boston Celtics in my opinion because if one of those guards isn't fully communicating isn't completely on point then there's a massive breakdown then a guy gets all the way to the rim and then that creates the, the, the collapsing and the kicking. And sometimes the Celtics can scramble and, and do okay there, but that's when they really get into trouble as opposed to like Utah, where you can make mistakes defensively and you got a bigger margin for error because Rudy Gobert is back there. He's like, yeah, no, no problem. I, I'm going to erase this mistake for you with, with block shots all over the place. So I think what we've seen recently from the Celtics is just a, a little bit more slippage on the perimeter where guys are falling asleep uh, a little bit. Maybe they're not completely focused on ball and man, and they turn their heads a little bit and, and they're just losing guys back door and maybe a little bit miscommunication. Uh, I think that's something they can obviously clean up, but it's definitely something that they need to be worried about, especially heading into a January where they play like, Every other day, if they're lucky, there are a ton of back-to-backs in January. Yeah, and I mean, so two things I would say about that. One, like sort of a, a, a you know, plus side, uh, negative side. So the plus side is I will note that they spent all of December without their best defender. Um, you know, Marcus Martin was obviously out for that whole that whole stretch, and he does so much for this team. It's been well documented how, you know, how important he is for them defensively. Um, but, I, I mean, I think that there's plenty of reason for concern here because, like, Look, the Celtics came out of the gate just flying around the court, you know, closing out like crazy, just everywhere at once. It was so impressive. We were all blown away by, you know, how well they scrambled. Um, I think it was uh, Mike Prada the other day tweeted, um, you know, just like these guys, like the Celtics are so good at closeouts. Like they're really good at it. They don't, you know, they don't often get beat off them. Um, you know, they just do it really smart. Um, and but the thing is, you have to like, I think you're right. I think you have to be so technically perfect on the wing. And that's really hard to do because you don't have, you know, Daniel Tice is an admirable, admirable defender, you know, for his size. But he is not Rudy Gobert. He is not, you know, I mean, he's not Aaron Baines. He's not Al Horford. Like, he's not that guy who's who sort of like, you know, clamps things together in the middle and missing that guy. You know, it, it does. It puts a lot of pressure on your wing. So, I mean. You know, I think before we, we, you know, before we worry too much, I would say like, you know, wait for Marcus Smart, like wait until Marcus Smart is like reintegrated into things. Wait and see how that uh, affects the defense. But I mean, look, it's, 
It's something that we all wondered about before the season. And this season is not that old yet. Like it is possible that the first, you know, 25, 20 games or whatever were a little bit of a defensive aberration and maybe they're going to come back to earth a little bit. Like, I don't think that's at all out of the question. That's possible. And and you can look at it as some of it schedule aided. The, the Celtics have yep. played the, the least amount of games. Uh, but like you said, they, Marcus Smart missed a bunch of time. Gordon Hayward, who is a very right. good yes. defender, yes. missed a bunch of time. Um, I tweeted out a couple of these possessions against Toronto where at their best, Marcus Smart is one of the guys that can, can do kind of wild things defensively that help this team. Uh, Gordon Hayward had one of the best defensive possessions, I think, of the season, um, where just all of, because of all the different little things that he did in that one possession that ended up with him getting a steal and drawing a foul. I mean, it was just really just perfect. Uh, and, and those are the two of their best defenders. They've, they've really done a lot on the backs of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, Daniel Tice has been really, really good. And funny enough, Ennis Cantor has been bad, but not horrible. Like he, you know what I mean? Like I, I, Toronto, he was horrible. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, the, had, the, he's had some horrible moments. The, the, the Toronto home game, he was horrible. But the Toronto game in Toronto, he wasn't that bad. And, like, I went into that Toronto game. I did a a, a pregame uh, podcast with uh, Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors. And I said, I, I don't think Cantor's going to be playable in that game because they're just going to pick and roll him to death. And they didn't. He was actually part of why they won that game. And then Toronto in Boston was like, oh, yeah, we can just pick and roll him to death. And they totally did. So, but Cantor still, the teams haven't been pick and rolling them to complete death. And so whatever, <laughs> my, the whole point is that as Cantor can be such a negative on defense, but he hasn't been, generally speaking. He's been, eh, but Cantor being, eh, is like, Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> so I guess the low expectations, right? But uh, <laughs> there, you look at what's coming up, and I don't know if the Celtics can survive quite the same way that they did in the first couple of months. The, the saving grace is that the level of competition, even though there are a ton of games, the level of competition that they're going to face they might be able to get away with it. Uh, in January, the, re- the the playoff teams that they'll face in all of the games that they play, Philly, and that's not till the ninth. Milwaukee a week later, and then the Lakers and Orlando in the week after that, and then Miami the week after that. So it's like, even though they play four three or four games a week in each week. There's only one week where they play two playoff teams. So they might, even though they're, they're playing a lot, they might be able to get away with it a little bit more against lesser competition. So I don't even know what my point is there other than, <laughs> other than they're going to have everybody back. And if I guess the point is if they can stay healthy and they run Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward out there, their regular minutes, they might be able to get back to the number two defense in the league if they can 
really put the clamps down on Atlanta and Chicago and Washington and New Orleans. Like, right. You know, but, but, but those are all potent offensive teams. Like Atlanta can score points. Chicago can score, <laughs> score points. I don't know if, if they're going to have Trey Young by the time the, cause I know he's hurt, but like these teams can still score points. The Celtics are going to have to play some defense. Uh, otherwise they're, they're going to be in, you know, in trouble. Yeah, or if they're not in trouble, they, their their numbers will still suffer a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm you're right, but kind of it's interesting to to look at it from that perspective because at that point, um, you know, I think it was uh, it was on the the Hoop Collective they were talking about whether um, Boston's defense was a little bit smoke and mirrors, um, and and if that's the way that you're measuring it, like let's say you give up. Let's say you actually, let's say maybe Trey Young doesn't play and you shut down the Hawks and, you know, you, you manage to stifle the Bulls, but then the Lakers come in and they, you know, they drop 120 points on you. Like at that point, that's kind of what they're talking about with the smoke and mirrors, right? Cause at that point you're, you're looking at the, the, the bad team and, you know, you're shutting them down, but the good team, you know, you, if you don't shut them down, I mean, that's the type of team that you care about. Like that's the playoff team that you're going to be facing, you know. Sure. Like maybe after the second round of the of the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I think, and, and I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. You know, I, I do think that you know this team has really, you know, they've suffered from missing bodies. It's been really hard, and I think that that probably has translated to some, you know, maybe they haven't been paying as much attention like the way they should be. Their, you know, defense has slipped a little bit. All of that I think is true. And you know, one of the things that Brad has talked a lot about is that the transition defense has been really bad. Um, you know, and all the players agree with that too. And, and like Kemba said the other day, like there's no skill to transition yep. defense. It's just running really fast and being back. Um, so, you know, if they can get back to that stuff, you know, that will, that will make a big difference. And that's the type of thing that Marcus Smart really helps with. So, um, I do think that they're going to be okay, but I think that even though I think they're going to be okay, I think that it is very much something to monitor and not something to, to just sort of write off and say, Oh, well, they were, they were missing these guys. Sure. They were, but they were also, you know, supposed to be a worse defensive team this year, um, just from their personnel. And I don't think you, I don't think that we've seen enough quite yet to completely write off that possibility. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying we can't write off that possibility yet. The, the biggest thing I think for the Celtics defense is can they keep guys fresh enough to give that effort for the rest of the season? Yeah. Um, and, and if they, if they're trying to limit minutes, and keep them t- guys like 32, 33 minutes. Can the guys who are coming in play defense well enough to minimize the damage? And that's when you get into your Romeo Langfords and Romeo playing pretty, pretty solid defense when he's been in there, even though he's not known for that. Uh, Grant Williams learning how to defend the perimeter, switch onto guards. We've seen him switch onto guards and not get burned. Where in the beginning of the season, he was getting burned. So, <laughs> like, can these guys continue to do these things? Can Shemi Ojale come in and give you 15 good defensive minutes? Uh, if that can happen, and I think the Celtics are going to be all right. Everybody talks about the Celtics' need for a big. And if they need a big, it's not to defend post-ups. That's not – I'm not – ever really worried about post-ups. I don't want to yeah. sound like Rick Carlisle, but like for real, I don't care if Embiid is posting somebody up as long as it's not posting up Kemba Walker and it's a guaranteed bucket every time. If he has to work hard for it, then great. Let him 
punch himself out working in the post, eventually that'll pay off in the fourth quarter. Because I just don't trust his conditioning. Where the Celtics need for a big is, is what I was just talking about. If Daniel Tice is forced to do too much, to cover for too much of defensive lapses, then, then yeah, then the Celtics will need a center who's better at that. So really, to me, all the Celtics need to do is try on the perimeter. And if somebody gets burned, because in today's NBA, eventually somebody's going to get burned. Like you yeah. can't, you can't. Like that's just gonna happen. A guy's gonna get by you. You can't touch. Guys him. are guys are too talented. They're too yep. talented. The rules, you can't touch them. But okay, so he gets by you. From there, can the Celtics recover and help Daniel Tice or whomever's back there when Robert Williams comes back or whoever? Can they help that guy when he goes up to challenge that shot or pick up that guy? Does the guy who got burned? Go and rotate back and pick up the guy that Daniel Tice just left? Or does he just stand there and let that become an alley-oop or a dump-down pass? Because if he, if you stop there and say, ah, shit, I got burned, and you don't continue to play defense, then that's going to look ugly. And it's going to look like Daniel Tice. You're, you're really hanging him out to dry. But if <laughs> yeah. you, if Daniel does what a center's supposed to do and, and like, all right, I'm bailing you out then you got to help him out and be like, all right, I'm going to dive down. I'm going to pick up this guy. And at least if they dump it in, let's say they're playing, uh, I don't know, Indy and they dump it into Sabonis or Miles Turner. Well, at least get, get into his body and make him take a shot. That's a little bit challenged, a little bit uncomfortable. And at least with the Celtics length, one of those guys is probably going to be six, seven, and he can probably get up and, and challenge that shot. If the Celtics can do that, then ultimately I think they're going to be fine. But if they don't have that effort, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this segment. They have such a small margin for error that if they don't have that effort, it sucks. But if they do have that effort, it's great. And there's really not much in between. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I will say one thing about, um, you know, about your point about post ups. Um, I think that Embiid is, for the record, I think Embiid is the actual complete exception to this because I, I do think that there, it, it's possible that he can post you up enough and, and he's so good at it to be, um, to, to actually be efficient and to be a devastating offense sure. and, and to, yeah, to yeah. really wear you down. But the point is that he is the one sort of exception that the Celtics might face. Like they've already faced Jokic twice. Like there's nobody else in the league that, uh, that can really punish you the way that he can. So anyway, that was just, uh, the point I had about that. But, you know, that matters because again, that's a team they might face in the playoffs. So, right. And that's, that's really, that, that's a fair point. That, that might be the biggest point that people, detractors will make and say that you're going to have to face Embiid. Uh, I, I guess my, my only counter to that is I don't trust Embiid to be in good enough shape to bang. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a playoff series. Like he'll, he'll tor- torch you in the first quarter, first half, maybe even first three quarters. But if you can hang in the fourth quarter, I think that's when he starts settling for threes because he's just too tired to bang down low. And all you got to do is just tire him out. So. Yep. And, and if, and you know what, if, like, if he's banging down low and he's just crushing you on offense and that means that his defense slips a little bit, like, right. You know, maybe that's something that you'll deal with because the Celtics being, you know, sort of a three point oriented team, if he's getting, you know, like it's, it's the old math problem. Like if he's getting twos in the post and you're getting, 
you know, a certain amount of threes on the other end. So eventually it'll work out in your favor. So that's, that's certainly possible too. It's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic to see how that plays out. All right. That's the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, next up will be the post, uh, post New Year's Eve extravaganza as the Celtics take on the, re- the, uh, the Hornets at three o'clock in Charlotte. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. If this is your first time listening, please go ahead and give that old subscribe button a push. And you regular listeners, a five-star rating, a good written review. We've already talked about how awesome that would be, how much that helps. And sharing the podcast, as always, my goal is by January 20th, that Lakers game, I need enough people to share this podcast and get it up high enough in the rankings that we pass Locked On Lakers. I'm tired of Locked On Lakers (laughs) being ahead of Locked On Celtics. So I need that push. So by January 20th, I can post a screenshot of Locked On Celtics ahead of Locked On Lakers. It's going to be tough. I don't know if we can do it, but if you guys can help help that happen, uh, I would really appreciate it. Um, I mean, I should bribe people. I'll buy you. I'll buy you tacos if uh, I'll buy somebody a taco <laughs> if that happens. I'll figure get it out. A, uh, get a get a taco jersey, and then like if like you know you you share it or whatever, you're entered for something. I don't know. That's I'm right. Not that? not my not my purview. Well, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll just <laughs> I was gonna buy somebody like a two dollar taco, but no, no problem. I'll, I'll spend 150 bucks on a jersey now. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, uh, spend the money, coward. Jeez. All right. <laughs> I mean, if, hey, I tell you what. If people share the podcast enough, I'll be able to make enough money where I could do that. Hey. Hey, how about that? <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time here in the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.